Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. One thing that I had started doing uh, several weeks before Ramadan was on Saturday nights specifically, instead of offering a short khatira, a short reminder after Aisha, I made a slight pivot and instead of offering that, I turned it into what I would refer to as Saturday night sweetness where I would bring all the kids to the front who were in eighth grade and younger and I would ask a trivia question and if one of them got it right then they would get a couple extra pieces of candy and all the other kids they would get uh, a piece themselves just for being here so the the intention behind that and we're going to be continuing that in Ramadan inshallah but don't for the kids who are here don't come up yet wait <laughs> hold on hold on hold on <laughs> um, so the, 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 the way that it's going to happen in Ramadan is that there's still going to be, so there will be a short talk, there will be the, the reminder portion inshallah, and then I'm going to ask, I don't, I don't think it'll work, because outside of Ramadan we'd have, mashallah, a lot of kids here, um, well, what do you think we should do? Just give Sheikh Yasser. So here's what I can do, I'll ask, so after the reminder, I'll ask one trivia question related to it. I'm going to trust you guys if you're 8th grade and younger, okay, so I, I, I love the blessed elders, but if you try to say you're in 8th grade and you have like a full-on beard, I, you know, we, we, we can, I'll give you candy, but you know, part of a different initiative. Um, so what I'll do is I'll ask the question, stay where you are, but you have to raise your hand if you want to answer, you can't just yell it out, because if you yell it out without raising your hand, and it's right, but if you didn't raise your hand, you're not going to get credit, someone else is going to take your right answer and they're going to get the credit, right? So just keep in mind that it is, there's the importance of listening skills, okay? Whoever gets it, I'll give them a few pieces of candy, but here's the thing, I'll meet you guys in the hallway, okay, after the question, so that way you, because if you guys come to the front, you know, we don't want to stampede, uh, so I'll go in the hallway, you guys can come there, and also, because I also have to, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I've taught a lot of kids over many years, I already know what's going to happen, after this, if I don't go to the babysitting and go give them candy, then next Saturday we're going to have a whole lot of four to eight-year-olds coincidentally in the prayer hall, not praying next to their parents. Not So I'll go there to encourage them, hey, you're following instructions, you're in the masjid, that's good. So they're still going to get that. So next Saturday, please, if they're in there now, please also, they're not going to miss out on anything by being there instead of here. That's, that's the main point. Okay, moving on. You got to come in, you got to sit down, man. Moving on to the, the short reminder, inshallah. So as I mentioned last night, the theme for the Khatira series this year is a, a very short, brief overview uh, for that night's juz. Tonight being night two of Ramadan, that means that it's juz number two, para number two. At the beginning of this juz, Allah mentions the change of the qibla. So initially in Mecca, when the Muslims would pray, they would pray facing towards Jerusalem. And the practice of the Prophet ﷺ, he would, his preference was to face towards Jerusalem, towards Bayt al-Maqdis, but if possible, preferably with the Kaaba in front of him. So he would be to the south of the Kaaba, and then the Kaaba would be in front of him, and then way beyond that would be the Qibla, the initial Qibla towards Jerusalem. So that was the first Qibla. And then once they were in Medina for a little bit of time, then Allah's command came for the Qibla to change from 
Because now Medina is basically between Mecca and Jerusalem. It's somewhere in between. So if you're in Medina, if you're facing north to Jerusalem, then Mecca is behind you. And if you're facing towards Mecca, then Jerusalem is behind you. So there wasn't that two-for-one special like there used to be in Mecca. That opportunity was no longer there. It was very interesting. Allah mentions that, subhanAllah, look at the, the love of Allah Azza wa Jal for our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah says that, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا SubhanAllah, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that the Prophet Alayhi Salatu Wasallam, he would, he would look up hoping to see, to see Jibreel coming down to give him the news that the Qibla is going to change towards Mecca. Think about how much love Allah Azza wa Jal has for the Prophet ﷺ, just by looking, the Qibla changes and billions of people in human history end up being affected by this one person looking up, hoping for something from his Lord. Look at the love of Allah for the Prophet ﷺ. At the beginning of this juz, that change is mentioned. And there were a lot of people in Medina, especially those from the Jewish tradition, who gave the Prophet and the Muslims a hard time, as well as the hypocrites, a hard time regarding the shifting of that Qibla. And one thing that's interesting to note is that there was an over, uh, like too strong of a connection of an attachment to outward forms. And the issue was not necessarily with a connection to outward forms that has its time and its place in our deen, we understand that, but the outward form is not to be isolated. There has to be a balance between the outward and the inward. A balance between outward forms and inward realities. If you think about the Qibla, the change of it was an adjustment in an outward form. It was a change in something outward. And some people, they, they, had a, they, 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 they ran their mouths and they basically caused a lot of problems in connection with that. And the way, subhanAllah, the way that Allah Azza wa Jal, the most merciful, describes them is that these are foolish people. Allah describes, subhanAllah, this is like a punch in the face. Allah describes them as sufaha. Like, I don't, I don't want to use certain words because I know there are kids here, but you can fill, you can fill in the blanks. It's complete fools if we're going to keep it light and PG. This is how Allah Azza wa Jal describes them. That they're making such a big deal, such a big uproar out of this. What about the inward reality of the heart? And Allah mentions that wherever you turn, wherever you turn, wherever you turn, so long as you're sincere. Now it doesn't mean we just abandon the calculation of the qibla and we try to figure that out. We understand that. But Allah is mentioning this concept, don't miss the forest for the trees. What is the point of the prayer? The point of the prayer is not the Qibla itself. The point of the prayer is for the heart of the slave to become more polished and to gravi gravitate closer towards the master, towards Allah Azza wa Jal. That's the point. So in this juz, you also find a ref the, the, the ayah that, that righteousness, al-bir, is not whether you turn to the east or the west. Rather, al-bir, righteousness, is to do a number of other things. Is, look at the placement of the ayah within this juz and it directly ties in with this issue of the qibla changing. So that's referenced. And one of the, the, the main takeaways that I mentioned this last night that I should take away from that is I should ask myself 
Am I only doing things outwardly regarding my deen, or is there also an internal component connected with it? The Prophet warned us, والسلام, of those who fast. So this is something outward. But they don't get anything out of their fast other than hunger and thirst. And there are those who they pray at night, but they get nothing out of their tahajjud, their qiyamul layl, their taraweeh, other than feeling tired and exhausted. So there's the outward form, which has its time and its place, its importance. The Prophet is not saying not to fast or pray at night. He's telling us to merge the two together, to braid them together. The outward connected with the inward. And the way the Sahaba, for, for them, their response, the Qibla has changed, no problem. We're following the Prophet For them, it wasn't an issue because their hearts were prepared, were ready for that. This juz also mentions the famous ayat in connection with fasting. One of the key takeaways for fasting for all of us should be gratitude. Am I spending my day complaining? Am I spending my night complaining that, you know, the, 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 the food at dinner, it wasn't salty enough? Am I making such a big deal out of that? The tea didn't have enough sugar. Is this what our Ramadan has come to? What about the inward reality? What about the internal change and metamorphosis that's supposed to occur where by the end of Ramadan we should transform into butterflies? And a huge necessary ingredient for that to happen is gratitude. If the food's not salty enough, we can add a little bit of salt. That's easy. If the tea doesn't have enough sugar, we can add a little bit more sugar. That's easy. It's the month of fasting, it's the month of Qur'an, it's not the month of feasting and, and whatever else it may be. So what are we trying to get out of our fasting? Gratitude should be one of the main components of it. May Allah make us from among the grateful. This just also mentions, there, there's this famous passage known as the verses of divorce. The ayat of talaq. And you notice something in this portion of the juz, of the surah, as well as in surah al-talaq. A common theme that's repeated is that of taqwa. Taqwa, taqwa, taqwa. If you're going through this trial, at least go through it in a God-fearing way. This largely applies to men. This largely applies to men. If it happens, then it happens. Everyone has their own situation. But at least go through it as a God-fearing person. At least go through it in a way, it sounds ironic, but there is a sunnah in connection with how to go through the process of divorce. We spend so much time on the wedding cake and the decorations, but the forget premarital counseling, forget marriage counseling, forget actually going through the process of divorce according to Islam. Why are we so focused on the outward forms of the cake and the decorations and all that? What about the inner reality of the before, during, and potentially after? Taqwa has to be at the heart of that process if that is something that someone is going through. Why do I specify men? Because a lot of the time, men are the ones who are the tyrants in this situation, who are wreaking havoc at home. No one wishes divorce on anyone else. But if it's going to happen, if that's your situation, especially as a man, fear Allah, go through these ayat and really reflect on them. Because you may feel like you have power over your wife, over your ex-wife. Allah has power over you. Don't forget who you're praying to. Don't forget who you're serving. At the end of this, Joseph, and I'll conclude with this, and then I'll have a trivia question afterwards. 
at the end of this juz, there's this incredible story of Talut. It's very interesting. There were some people, some of the, the, the mala' from Bani Israel at that time, they had wealth, they had power, they, you know, they, they had clout, you could say. And so they went to a prophet, this was after the time of Prophet Musa, and they said, Get, you know, ask Allah to grant us a king for this and this and this. When you go through the story, you see very clearly those who were requesting that, they were not sincere whatsoever. Because when Allah, cho- when the Nabi tells them that Allah has chosen Talut to be this king, because you said you want to fight in battle for this reason and that reason, you were kicked out of your land and separated from your children, and okay, so the spiel was there. Now Allah has handpicked this person. You're saying that you already have a Nabi, first of all, that should be your leader. But that wasn't good enough for them in their eyes. So the, this Prophet Allah, okay, asks Allah to, to give them a king. So Allah chooses Talut. And the same people who are saying, we really need this leader for this reason and that reason. Allah chooses this person. And then they responded saying, how can he be our king? And he's not wealthy. But look at the wisdom of Allah. Allah granted him Allah gave him what was needed for the request. So it was a test of sincerity. And then there's the battle. And then within the army of Talut, you have Dawud and the, the classic story of David versus Goliath. And that's a reminder for us, especially the phrase, When Allah is with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. But we have to take a step back and ask, are we checking the boxes of the prerequisites in order for Allah to be with us? We have to do our part first and then Allah will be with us. We ask Allah to make this reminder a reminder of benefit and we ask Allah to grant all of us a sincere and deep connection with the book of Allah. Moving on to the trivia question. This is for those in eighth grade and younger. You have to raise your hand. And then we'll, we'll see. So you can't just yell it out. One trivia question. Who can tell me? You got, you, I have to ask the question first. You can't raise your hand yet. Right now, all the kids are scratching their ear. They're like, I swear, my ear, my, it, it just got itchy. MashaAllah, right? The sister, they say, I'm fixing my hijab right now. Like, you think I don't know these tricks? SubhanAllah. Okay, hands down. Yes, you too. Okay, so here's my question. What was the first qibla? What was the first qibla? Before it was redirected, before it was Mecca. Yes, 